This is the Kawabui Show. Kawabui is an author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. He started his first business selling music CDs in high school at the age of 16. He then went on and built several businesses. He is the founder of River Design, a marketing company that helps businesses get more exposure online and offline. He has appeared on TV, radio, newspaper, and magazines from around the world. He has written and published several books and created various products. Kawabui is also an international speaker, corporate trainer, and speaks on topics of business, entrepreneurship, motivation, health, marketing, online business. You could check out his blog site at www.kowa-bui.com. And now, your host, Mr. Kowa Bui. Mr. Kowa Bui. Vin, I'm really, uh, really excited to to finally meet you in person and also to interview you as well. You're do- doing amazing things. I've seen you online. And, uh, you know, I've signed, I've signed up to your stage workshop course as well. And, you know, and um, yeah, you're doing some, some amazing things online. And I see, I see what you're doing there. So really appreciate you on the show. Thank you, brother. No worries. Really glad to be able to chat with you too and get to know you too. Cool. Awesome. Okay, cool. So a um, so bit about your background. Um, okay, so you start off as a magician, right? And, um, well, and the, well yeah. technically, I started, started off uh, studying commerce and law at the University of Adelaide. Okay. All right. <laughs> Which was <super> boring. <laughs> okay. And then you made that tra- um, transition over to something very creative because that's really interesting about you because you start off as a, you know, a very, uh, you know, technical type of, type of skill set, but then you branched over to something creative. So can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think like with, with many people in the, the Asian culture, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I can speak on behalf of the entire culture, but, mm. but for me and my family, and my community, the, the biggest thing was to become an accountant, lawyer, or a doctor, or a pharmacist. Mm. These were the, the big, this, yeah. this was the big four. And, and so I did that not really because I wanted to. I did that because in my mind, that's how I was going to repay the debt I owed my parents. Mm. That's how I was going to love my parents in return is to, I'll do this job because I love you. Yeah. The idea of doing what you loved, the idea of doing something you wanted to do, didn't really get into my head until I, I was studying commerce and law four and a half years in and just thought, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, you know, so while the intent I think was good, I did this because I love mom, I love my dad. But the idea of, you know, you've only got one life and I was about to do something for the rest of my life like this. I just, yeah, it drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you mentioned in another podcast that your dad was actually really supportive. Like initially you thought that he wasn't going to be, but he was really supportive in, in going down this creative route, right? So you can tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I rarely get to share at length what those conversations were like and what that whole period was like because mm. it wasn't one conversation. The, the first time I told my dad I wanted to quit university, it was, it, it was a negative reaction. You know, to him, it was like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. And, and to me, what I didn't understand was that mom and dad didn't grow up in the same world that I grew up in or in the same world that you grew up in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom and dad grew up in a world where they had to escape a war. Mm. So it took me a while to understand that for me to get their understanding, I had to first understand them. I had to first understand their world because before that it was Vin's world, yeah. mum and dad's world. We we're trying to communicate, 
but we didn't understand each other's worlds. Mm. So I had to kind of take that first step and go, oh, right, if I want you to understand my world, I have to reach out first and understand your world. Mm. And what, what that taught me, Kwa, was that mum and dad clung to security because all they knew in their life was scarcity. Mm. So to them, they valued security so much because they, were, they, they lost everything when they escaped the war in Vietnam. Mm. So then I went, oh, so in your world, you value security. In my world, I value my passion doing what I love. So it took so many conversations with my parents <laughs> to, to, to really help them understand that we're no longer living in a war-torn country. Mm. You've escaped that so that you can give me the freedom to do what I love. Mm. Oh, and and so, so it, it took so many conversations, brother. It took so many conversations. And, and one of the most beautiful things at the end of a couple of years of conversing with my parents is that my dad sat me down and, and, and he said something really beautiful. He said, thanks for not giving up on me. Wow. And what that meant was, thanks for not giving up on this father and son relationship. You, you could have just went, fuck you. <laughs> I'm doing what I want, mm. right? And instead, I, I took the time to talk to my parents and you know, we cried over things. And, and now I get to share a relationship with my parents that I know a lot of Asian kids don't have with their parents. Mm. or a lot of ethnic kids don't have with their parents because now, now they understand their son. Now, when I decide to do something as opposed to them freaking out, they're supportive because now our worlds connect. Now we as people connect. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Um, so same goes with, with my background as well. My parents, uh, same, same thing. There was uh, the war between North and South Vietnam and then they had to yeah. leave as well. We came over to Australia as well. And exactly what you just said, it's all about that scarcity. Um, it's yeah. a totally different world. You have to try and understand them as well. And it took me ages to try and figure it out as well. And yeah, I understand. Um, you got to be a doctor. You got to be an engineer. Right? So, yeah. But that's, but that's why communication is so important. Mm. I, I have so many friends who I know that at this point so far have given up on trying to communicate and connect with their parents. And I think if we, if we die, Quar, and, and, and we never have that connection with our parents, I think it is, it is truly tragic. I think our parents are some of the most important people in our lives. And to not get to know your parents' world. And, and, and I think as well what's important, I know we're talking a lot about this, but it's, a, mm. it's, kind of, it's very important to me. Mm. And it's that I helped my parents see that the world is a better place. Whereas in my parents' world, when they couldn't see my world, when they couldn't see the world for what it is now, they lived in a constant state of fear. Mm. And it was, it, was, it was this ridiculous state of fear where when I told them, oh, I want to go to, you know, I want to go around the world and travel. They'd be like, oh, don't go there because I've heard stories. People get their arm chopped off because people want to steal your watch. And, and, and uh, when I got to know their world more, I realized, wow, you're living in this consistent state of fear. You know, even allowing me to go out at night when I was younger. Oh, you can't go out. You know, someone's going to drug you. And, and of course, look, the risks are there, but it's very low. But in their mind, mm. the world is a dangerous place. Yeah. So I've helped my parents open up their hearts and their mind and, and see the world 
like the world is so much better now and and yeah and their happiness has has increased as a result of of us sharing with each other mm. our perspectives our stories and so it's actually been a very healing experience. Mm, definitely. So you mentioned a bit about um, communication and that's one of the, the, the unique things about you is that you're just an incredible communicator. And um, I, I absolutely admire how you communicate. I just wish more people could learn the techniques that you do because I truly believe communication is everything, you know? So um, as you were growing up, like was, what was that, that thing that made you, figure out that communication is important and for you to work on it. What was that, that thing that triggered everything? For me, it was a lot of pain and heartache. Was it? Mm. Because I was invisible. And now I'm a bit more outrageous. If you, if you have a look at me now <laughs> with the blonde hair and the ridiculousness of it all, but overcompensating, right? But when I was young, I, I was always invisible. Mm. I, I remember growing up, quiet, shy Asian kid, typical mm. Asian kid, great at school, straight A's. Mm. Every Wednesday afternoon, go to Kumon math class. Every Saturday, go to Vietnamese class. Every Sunday, bloody do physics and chemistry. Mm. I always was very good technically, but I never understood the value of building soft skills or, you know, I think they're more critical skills than, than soft skills. Yep. So as a result of not having good communication skills, when I liked a girl, she would never notice me. I was invisible. Mm. When I wanted to make friends with the cool kids in school, they never noticed me because I lacked communication <laughs> skills. And it just affected me in every single area of my life. And it drove me insane, especially in the love life area, because I, I, I wanted to find love. And I just went, mm. and this sucks. I have so much value to offer. I'm so much better than the guy you're mm. dating. He's a terrible person, you know? And, and I was never able to communicate any of my value in any area of my life, even early on in my professional career as a magician. Mm. I knew I was a good magician. I had great sleight of hand, great technical skills, but no one ever booked me for an event. They booked good old Mike, who was not, who was not good as me. Mm. And, and I just had enough of it. I just went, you know what? I learned the lesson that you may be this good at what you do, a 10 out of 10. But if your ability to communicate is a two out of 10, people do not perceive you to be a 10 out of 10. Mm. You are only as good as you can communicate. And that's when I realized, oh crap, I, I better get good at this. Because I was of the mindset, Kwa, that I'm just gonna focus on my strengths and completely ignore my limitations. But there's one limitation you cannot ignore. And if you ignore the limitation of communicating and being able to communicate and connect with other people, it's going to have a negative impact on your life for sure. Mm. I think definitely focus on our strengths in life. But if there's one limitation you cannot ignore, it's the limitation of not being able to communicate effectively. Mm, that's so true. Very true. Um, yeah. So, so, so then you made... So you, what did you do to, to improve yourself? Was it just watch, did you start watching a lot of movies and then rehearsing and stuff? Or what would you do? What was the, the transition there? Well, for me, with everything that I do in my life, I, I feel like in the world of magic, you learn a, you learn a really it's powerful a practice, concept. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, the, the big thing, the philosophy you learn from magic is every single magic trick has a very simple solution. 
Okay. And, it, and it's why there's a quote in the Word of Magic where magicians say, uh, magicians guard an empty treasure chest. And what that means is you, you see a magic trick and you go, wow, it looks so complex. There's probably a device here and a device there that yeah. you know, shoots a card up from his sleeve. And often the solution is so simple that the treasure chest is empty. Meaning when you open the chest, you go, ah, oh, is, is that all? Mm -hmm. And what that means is everything we want to learn in life, every skill, every core career we want to go after, every business we want to build, it always looks complex. But at the end of the day, I, this is my belief, I fundamentally mm. believe that the solution to every problem is very simple. And I take the same approach when I'm trying to improve my communication skills, I'm trying to improve as an entrepreneur, mm. is that I go, look, it may look complex, but I bet you it's really simple. And that gets me motivated to solve the problem. Mm. So my simple solution that I was thinking of in my head to keep me motivated was I just need to go see a vocal teacher. I just need to find someone who's the master of this instrument, your voice. Mm. So then I sought out a vocal teacher, I started learning singing, and I also sought out a theater, theater coach because body language. I thought the two instruments that I'm working with here is my body language and my voice. So before I became a speaker, because I, I loved the idea of taking something I was so bad at and turning it into a career, mm. it was kind of, it was an itch that I had. So I, 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 before that, one of my mentors said, Vin, do the world a favor and make sure you go do some training, learn how to use your instrument. Mm. So I did those two things. And okay. then I realized, Kwa, that our voice is an instrument. And most people, don't view it as that. And, and I wish I could do it for you now, but if I, if I played for you a piano song mm. and didn't tell you the genre of it, and let's say it was a sad piano song, then you'd feel sad. But if I played for you something that was happy, you'd feel happy. Mm. You see, music has, piano songs have no words. How do you know how to feel? The melody, the melody is universal. And most people don't realize that their voice has an underlying melody right now. Is it a serious melody? Is it a really intense melody that you have all the time? Is it a sad melody? Your voice is an instrument and how you use your voice actually impacts how people feel. So the sooner people make that kind of understanding and make that switch in their minds, the sooner I think the, the power of our voice is revealed to them. Mm, mm, definitely um like when i was watching your videos and how you speak and how mm. you present yourself it's just so powerful and uh, i like what you said before uh, in another podcast is that communication is everything because you might not be someone who has achieved that much but if you know how to communicate really effectively it just makes you an authority or it just makes you people take stand up and take notice of you and, um, and I also went through your, your course as well, the, the stage course, and you got the different variations, which is the pitch, the tone. It's really, you put it together really amazingly well. Um, I love how you filmed it and everything, and you got people going out on stage and everything. So well done there. It's amazing. Yeah, but I mean, what, what you're seeing there is a snippet mm. of my, my live workshop. I mean, mm. we've, we're currently in the COVID-19 pandemic, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not doing my live workshops anymore. But it's... It's, it's a passion of mine, Kwa, and it's, you know, I've, I've recently sat down and spent a good three months 
writing down my values as a human being and, and what my purpose is as a person. And mm. a huge part of that is making the invisible visible. Mm. It's, it's why I love doing this choir is that I see so many people going through life being invisible. So many people going through life, opportunities, promotions pass them by because their employers, their, their project managers or, or, or their general managers in their teams don't notice them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it's not because they're not brilliant. It's just that they haven't learned how to play their music. And what I mean by this is an idea to me is like a really good song. A vision is like a really good song. A solution to a problem you can solve for your clients is like a really good piece of music. And if you don't play it well, people won't perceive it to be great music. You can take the most beautiful piece of Beethoven music and give it to a pianist who plays poorly. Mm. And will it be perceived as being good music? And the answer is no. Mm. I think it would be such a shame if we, if we go through our entire lives and, and not make that connection that your voice is an instrument. And we need to learn how to play beautifully. I think it's really important. Beautiful. Okay, so um, I need to say is also, so when you transitioned over to doing what you love, following your passion, it must have been pretty hard to try and monetize it because a lot of people are thinking, okay, you know, if I stay in this job, yeah, it pays the bills, but I always wanted to do X, Y, Z. And you went right. to do that transition. What was that like to try and pay the bills with that and then eventually supporting yourself? What did, what did you have to do there? Well, I think the first thing you have to learn is you have to manage your expectations. Mm-hmm. When you're doing what you love, you won't make as much money as you'd love. So you, you have to understand that like anything, it takes time to build. Yep. So to me, anytime I think about a new business, anytime I think about a new venture, like for me, I want to, when I go back to Australia in a couple of months, I want to mm. start a podcast. Mm. And like you, I'm inspired by you doing this. And, and to me, when I start my podcast, I have a three to five year runway and I have a mapped out runway of when Love I'm going to monetize the podcast. And I'm not even going to monetize the podcast until two and a half years in. Mm. So, so now as an entrepreneur, I've really learned how to manage my expectations and understand the entrepreneurial runway so that I don't cloud my mind in the first two and a half years of creating this podcast, for example, of, oh, I need to monetize, I need to monetize. No, no, in the first two and a half years for me, it's about mastery of this platform. Mastering how to interview, mastering how to uh, have fun on the podcast, mastering how to become a better interviewer, mastering the distribution network afterwards once you've created it. Mm. So I think you've got to understand that Steve Martin has a wonderful quote, the comedian. Steve Martin says, be so good they can't ignore you. That's right. beautiful. I love that. And, and, but you have to give yourself time to be so good that the client will pay you, right? And that's, that's a philosophy that I have is that if I just start something and I expect to be paid for it, not going to happen. Mm. But if you become so good that they can't ignore you, now they'll pay you whatever you want. And, and I'll share with you. I mean, as a keynote speaker here in the U.S., I get paid between $27,500 to $30,000 for a keynote when they used to exist. Mm. And even now for my virtual events, my clients pay me $30,000 for a virtual event. Mm. And why would they pay me that? I believe they pay me that because I've spent so much time working on my craft. And 
there's another quote by a magician named Teller from Penn and Teller, where he says, magic is just someone spending more time on something than anybody would reasonably expect. And what he's alluding to there is the concept of mastery. I think that is a forgotten thing in the world we live in today. I think people, when they're starting a business, when they're starting anything, they're no longer thinking about mastery. They're only thinking about what entrepreneurs call minimal viable product. And a minimal viable product is again, you know, for those of you who don't know that is just, let's just get a product to market that's good enough. And then when they get that product to market and it's good enough and it gets a little bit of results, they often no longer spend time polishing it, perfecting it, mastering that, 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 that kind of skill set or, or, or process or service. Mm. And that's a shame, brother, because in the world of magic, it's all about mastery. You know, too often to learn one piece of sleight of hand will take you 200, 150 hours. So magicians understand that mastery leads to astonishment. Mastery leads to amazement. And I really believe that in the world of business, we can take a chapter from that and learn from it by going with what we're doing with our product or service, where are we spending more time than anybody would reasonably expect to create an astonishing experience? So I feel when you're starting a business, when you're starting a passion, you have to think about managing your expectations. First thing, mm. don't expect to make money straight away. <laughs> yep. And then after that, learn and think, sure, how do I get a minimal viable product to the market to then understand what the market wants? But then after that, man, polish the crap out of it, right? Master it like crazy and become so good that the market can't ignore you. And then at that point, that's when you start to get paid. That's when you start to make more money. Mm. I love that. So, so that's the kind yeah. of mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So manage your expectation and polish it up and just focus on mastery. So I can, I can yeah. I'm assuming that you spent your 10,000 hours on communication, polishing things up as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Um, all right. Another quote that I heard was, um, you got to believe in yourself, right? You got to believe in yourself before anyone can believe in you. So could you elaborate a bit about that one? I think that's really important when you're, you know, building your business, building yourself up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we have to take a step back as well. When you're talking mm. about self-confidence and self-belief, uh, the question I would ask then is, well, where do you think your beliefs come from? Where, where do you think your beliefs come from? I think it comes from your, your childhood, right? It comes from your childhood when, you, when you're growing up, what you see and do, right? So... Yeah. yeah, our experiences, right? Yeah, I think a huge contributing factor is our experiences in life. And I think another huge contributing factor to the beliefs you currently have, Kwa, or the beliefs I currently have, is from the people we spend time with. One of the, one of the messages that I kind of speak about on stage is that, you know, that, that, that great universal law that you're the direct reflection of the top five people you spend time with. Now, our beliefs come from the top five people we spend time with, the top 10 people we spend time with. Mm. So again, when I am thinking about creating a podcast, if I don't have the right people around me, my belief would be that, oh, I could never build a really successful podcast, no way. Mm. But then that's because that's what the people around me believe. My friends who are pharmacists and doctors and lawyers right now, and, and most of my internal network are 
uh, people in the medical field and whatnot. Mm. And, and when I told them I want to start a podcast, they're like, oh, dude, it's too crazy. It's too saturated. I think you'll be it's amazing. It's way too saturated right now. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? You'll, you'll be amazing as a podcast. Yeah, the I know, but, but, but the thing is, my friends don't think this. My friends don't believe it's easy. They go, look, Vin, you're already a great speaker. You should stick to that. You know, you've already monetized it to an incredible ROI. Focus on that. Mm. So their beliefs become my beliefs. Whereas instead of sharing my ideas with them, I, I started you know, curating a group of friends who, who actually have podcasts and have podcasts that are doing really well. And when I told them about doing it, they said the same thing that you said, because you're doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. They said, dude, you'd be amazing at this. And I thought, oh, cool. So I think people have to understand that whatever it is that you're doing, say you wanted to become a really successful carpenter. Mm-hmm. My wife and I are looking at um, redesigning our kitchen back in Australia right now. Mm-hmm. And say you really want to become a great carpenter. If you spend all your time with electricians, they're not going to motivate you. Mm, True. If you spend all your time with carpenters who are not successful, they're not going to make you feel confident. Whereas if you spend time with carpenters who are, who are very successful, have built a very successful business around them, you're going to feel way more confident. You have way more self-belief if you have one of them as a friend. So to me, I, I place a lot of value in having the right environment. Mm. If I want to start a podcast, if I surround myself with friends who are successful at podcasting, guess how I'm going to feel when I'm starting my podcast? I'm going to feel very confident. Mm. And you're confident because you know you have these friends as a resource to better learn from. Mm. So, so to me, anytime I start a new endeavor, I, I make sure I have the right team because that's the biggest mistake I see a lot of young people make, including myself. When I wanted to become a speaker, I spent time with all online entrepreneurs. And guess how my confidence level was starting my speaking career? It's very low because I was yeah. like, oh, I can never do this. It's a, it's a pipe dream, you know? It's, it's something cool to dream about, but I'll never be able to do it. But then the moment I spent time with successful keynote speakers and learned from them and we became friends, mm. my level of confidence in my ability to become a speaker significantly grew. Mm. So it's all about surrounding yourself with the right environment, um, yeah. people who, who you would like to exchange places with as well, right? So it's about people who Absolutely. elevate your elevate your game. So okay. And 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 the other thing I'll add on to that as well is mastery. When, I mean, I'm confident now on stage because I've spent thousands of hours perfecting my ability to communicate and perform on stage. Confidence to me is an emotional state. And that emotional state is strengthened uh, by physiology. So when you adapt a more confident posture and a confident voice, when you look a certain way, you feel a certain way. When you feel a certain way, you'll sound a certain way. So that kind of physiology hack works. But to me, it's also mindset. And then it's mastery. You know, it's, it's, it's really about mind mastery as well as environment and physiology. So to me, it's, you know, very high level, but when you look at all of those things coming together, when you've got the right environment, you're going to feel great and confident. Mm. When you've got the right physiology, you're going to feel great. Mm. And when you've mastered something, that's when you feel really confident, brother. Mm. I absolutely love that. It's, it reminds me of, um, I think, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell, he talks about in Outliers, uh, the 10,000 hour rule. And uh, mm. yeah, it's just amazing on how, you know, you've, you've mastered yourself, you've mastered the communication and and uh, yeah, you can really influence people through, through the way you speak. So it's just amazing to see you do that. We'll, we'll, use, the same, we'll use the same analogy again quickly. And mm. I just wish I had the example here. 
I can take the sheet music. The person who plays that song better will move the audience more. I mean, that's the simplest analogy for people to see this, the impact of this. You know, I mean, think about, I mean, think about a, a child playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. If you, you know, if, if you play it, it's just da, 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 da. Doesn't, doesn't really move anyone. Mm. And they're playing it in what they call staccato. But if you play it in legato and you play it, da, 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 da. All of a sudden, playing it in legato, you can move people more. So you really, and then and I'm, I know I'm kicking a dead horse, but let's continue to kick it. Mm. Because how are you moving people with your instrument right now? Are you playing it masterfully? Or are you putting no thought into to, to how you play the instrument? And you're putting all of your thoughts just into what you're going to say, the music notes. Both are important. And, and that's what I really want to stress to people is that, of course, what you say is important but how you say it is just as important. Mm. We, we got to practice more. I'm just hundred percent. I got to practice a lot more. And uh, <laughs> so oh, you're doing what, great. You're doing what, about great. My, what about myself? Uh, do you think, you know, for, from critiquing, you know, I'm just curious about critiquing myself. Like, do you think yeah. I should, yeah. What, what's your thoughts on, on myself or when I speak? Just curious. And, and anything that I share here, obviously, is to help you amplify the best parts of who you are. Yes, yes. Never, never, allow, this, any, never allow any thoughts I have um, to, to, to make you feel shitty, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm only giving this because you've asked for it. Yes. I, I would love to hear more melody, a, a larger variety in melody in your voice, right? You've got a great chess voice. You play in the safe area of your lower notes and your lower notes, bassy, beautiful baritone voice. It sounds, it's a very nice voice. Mm. But I'd love you to play in the high ranges of your voice, right? And, and that's gonna allow you to, and this is the analogy I would use, Qua. A piano has 88 keys, 88 keys. And most of the time for men, we play on the lower end because here I feel like I have authority here. I I'm commanding, right here. I sound confident. And the danger of that is you lose vibrancy and people who say people who are charismatic, you're charismatic because you're playing the whole instrument. And when I get my students, especially when I, I, I train them and I, I get them to, you know, play with the higher notes. <laughs> It's, it's ridiculous. It's a bit ridiculous, mm. but they go, Oh, I feel fake and phony. Then I feel like I'm being fake and inauthentic. And I say to them, no, 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 you're wrong. You have to reframe that too. If you can make the sound, it's authentic. If you can make the sound, it's your voice. How is it fake? It's your voice. If you can make that sound, it's your voice. Mm -hmm. So I reframe, I go, no, it's not fake and phony. You're just really comfortable here and used to these 12 keys. When I get you to play these 12 keys over here, they're just unfamiliar. So right now for you, Kwa, what I'm saying is you're just unfamiliar with the higher range. True. And to me, when you mm. learn to use the higher range, you are now learning how to play a greater genre of music. Mm. Now you can make people feel excited. You can bring in a lot more melody to your voice and melody shows happiness. It shows vibrancy. It shows you know, engagement, enthusiasm. So that's the first thing I would say. Mm.
and I'll just share two things without bombarding you with things to work <laughs> hey, on. Go for it. <laughs> the, the, the second thing I'll say is be careful of your fillers and non-words. Be careful of the ums and the ahs. Be careful of those because those decrease the clarity of your message. And ums and ahs are fine. I mean, I'm not saying get rid of them completely because mm. it would be you know, slightly unnatural to not have any. But to me, become aware of it. Listen to this podcast back with a highlighter and get it transcribed. And then highlight and start to build awareness on what your non-words are. Non-words are ums, ahs, ers. And then what your filler words are. So, do you know what I mean? And take note of that. And start to try to remove 95% of it from your communication. Because what that does, Quara, is it, and I do these too, we all do, mm -hmm. even the listeners who are listening have these. So by transcribing a recording of yourself, you bring awareness to what your non-words and fillers are and then replace them just with a pause. Get rid of them. They're, again, I use music a lot because that's how I was kind of trained. And it's that, imagine I was playing you Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and I did da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Those are the ums and ahs. Ums and ahs are auditory clutter. And it's terrible notes being played that distract people and snap them out for a second of the focus that they were in. So you're moving them nicely with the music and then all of a sudden, dark, like a terrible sound was made. Mm. So it, 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 you become less persuasive because there are these little kinks in the beautiful melody. Mm, definitely. Uh, when I'm recording um, my own videos, I'll watch it again. And then I notice, I do notice the, the ums and ers, and then I try and do the pause, and then I try yeah. and you know, speak more clearly. And it does work, but I'm struggling a lot to try and replace it with a pause and, and remove all the, the filler words as well. So it's a bit tricky, as you say, it's mastery and it's all about practice, right? So. Well, look, it, it's tricky because a lot of the times people don't teach people techniques on how to get rid of it. Mm. And, and the most powerful technique I can tell you, Quar, is every time you're about to say, um, for the rest of this podcast, for example, just replace it with a pause. Just pause and push yourself. And then you'll find yourself being all clunky. You know, you'll go, oh, this is so difficult. But that you refraining from using the, um, that's a part of the process in gradually eliminating it. Mm. Okay, beautiful. All right, yeah. so another one. Um, so we've got, you also mentioned there was a really great technique in which to improve your communication, which is recording yourself for two minutes and then reviewing it and then listening to it again and then writing down some of the, the ways in which you can improve. Could you elaborate a bit about that as well? Yeah, yeah. So this is a very powerful way to help you clean up your communication process is very simple. The process is record a five minute video of you talking, talk about your day, talk about what you had for breakfast, talk about a passion of yours. Content here is not as necessary. What we're doing is we're tuning the instrument. So the song you play is not as relevant. So play any song for five minutes, speak for five minutes, nonstop, stop. Then leave the video for a day. Don't watch it straight away. We're too damn self-critical on ourselves. And when you watch the video back, you're gonna review it in three different ways. The first time you review it, turn the sound up and then turn the phone over so you can't see it. Turn the phone over, just listen to it. 
because what you're doing here is an auditory review. And then listen to yourself. How is my melody? Take some notes. Am I talking too much in a monotone and I need to up the melody more? So take notes, build self-awareness. That's what this is. How is my volume? Am I speaking too quietly? Is my volume too low? Or am I too overwhelming and it's too loud? Take some notes about your volume. Take some notes about if you're pausing. Are you talking so quickly that it doesn't seem like you're taking a breath and you just keep going like this? Because if you speak like this, it's really hard for people to continue and hang on to what you're saying, right? Take some notes about your rate of speech. Take a whole bunch of notes and, and just try to be aware of what you are aware of already. In your own mind, you already know what makes a great communicator. When you watch a podcast or when you listen to a podcast or when you see a speaker on stage, you're making judgments already. You're making decisions. Oh, this speaker is boring. So you've got an internal reference of what a great communicator is and what a bad communicator is. This process allows you to apply some of those references to yourself. So the first auditory review, take a whole bunch of notes. These are things you can work on later. The second time you review it, this time turn the sound off and then just watch yourself. Now you're doing a visual review, right? You're reviewing your facial expressions. Am I, you know, have I got, am I just got a resting boring face? And you know, you, you need to make sure that you're smiling. Am I smiling? Am I frowning? What am I doing with my hands? Are they in my pockets? Am I folding my arms? What am I doing with them? Take notes, build awareness on your visual ticks. Do you keep touching your glasses? Do you keep rubbing your ear? Do you keep touching your nose, your chin? Take notes. These are things you can work on. And then the final review is get the video transcribed. Like I mentioned to you before, Kwa. Mm. Get the video transcribed and then read your communication. Become aware of your non-words and your filler words. Are you repeating yourself? Are you not being concise with your communication? Do you talk too much? And by getting it transcribed, you get a different perspective on your communication. And it helps you start to become more aware of, oh gosh, because I keep using the word and, it seems like I speak forever. I need to use full stops. I need to use pauses. One of the most annoying things for, for, for people in the realm of communication who are listeners is this person's not being concise. And precision is often lacking because you're connecting everything you're saying with an end. And all of a sudden it seems like, oh, this guy's talking forever. But if you do a full stop and a pause like that, end that point, new point. It's refreshing, it's more engaging. So through this simple process of a five minute video and reviewing it auditory wise, visually, and the transcription, you do this 10 times. It's going to completely transform the way you come across. Mm, okay. I can't wait to get into that. So there's a lot of, <laughs> you're just dropping gold today. So uh, after this, I'm going to be practicing and some of it was crap, but yeah. No, no. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. Okay. I'm just curious um, if you were to go yeah. into a time machine, press the button yes. and go back uh, maybe 10, 15, 20 years, if you want and talk to okay. your younger self, what would you say? I would say, if I could say to my earlier self, like my 18 year old self, I'd say, have the courage to write your own story in this life. 
don't be so pressured to live out the default script. Meaning when we're born, we're given this default script and this is how you should live life. The way I was taught to live life was, okay, then go through school, get a professional job in, uh, you know, after you've done university, after you've done university, then buy investment property number one, buy investment property number two, buy investment property number three, build up enough equity, buy commercial property number one, uh, then you've made it. And that's a default script I was given because that's what my dad and his brothers did. And for so long, I felt the pressures of that default script. What I had to gradually learn, and I wish I could tell myself this earlier, is that you are the author of your own story. You are the one that holds the damn pen. Stop giving that pen away to other people, not even your parents. This is your story that you need to write. And your parents at times will try to take control of this pen. Society at times will try to, try to take control of this pen. Life, your partner, your children will try to take control of this pen. But I want you to remember that no matter where you are in life, you are the author of your own story. This story you only get to write once. Don't be afraid to write new chapters. Don't be afraid to close old chapters and write a story that is thrilling. Write a story that is exciting because monotony, a life of monotony, a boring chapter, they always will, will try to creep into your life. Mm. But at the end of the day, what makes a book riveting and exciting is at least 14 extremely riveting chapters. You have the pen, you are the author. Write your story the way you want it. Beautiful. Absolutely love that. Okay, so how could um, people get in contact with you, Vin? Yeah, look, uh, just Google my name, Vin Jang, V-I-N-H-G-I-A-N-G. Right now, I, I've turned my live workshop into a virtual masterclass. So if anyone wants to join me for a virtual masterclass, just go to stageworkshop.live. Stageworkshop.live, stage okay. Not live. Yeah. And I've got my virtual workshop. So I've turned the three days into a virtual experience now. Mm -hmm. And your future plans to launch the podcast in Australia and to get yeah. some big names onto your podcast, right? Yep. Well, no, not really big names. For, for me, I, I started this project again mm. with something I want to do, right? And, and to me, I, I don't really have a huge desire to speak to big names, to be honest. What I want to do is I want to bring my best friends over and it's a books with friends. So essentially, I love reading, Choir. I love reading. And every podcast episode, I want to bring one of my entrepreneurial buddies over. And because we were all readers, I've got a bit of a book club with my, with my group of friends. Mm. And let's dissect this book. Let's pull this book apart and talk about the most interesting concepts in this book, the way it's added value to our lives and pull it apart, you know, and, and take real life examples of ourselves applying these lessons. Because I fundamentally believe I am where I am today is because of the books that I've consumed and the application of the knowledge that I've acquired. Mm. So I'd love to create a podcast around, you know, two hours Beautiful. on this book, dissecting it, pulling it apart. <laughs> All right. So what about, I got to say, what, what's the book that in, that's influenced your life then? Oh, there's a lot. There's a mm. lot. One that stands out. So tell me, tell me your audience base. My audience Who base, is... entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, business people. Okay. Yep. And, uh, but you know, and, and, but they okay. always tend to, uh, the books that they read, it's always, 
sometimes it's always philosophical, like the Stoicism, Marcus Aurelius, yeah. that type of stuff, right? It, it, yeah, it's always the different ones. Uh, well, not not specifically business, but yeah, something. Well, the one that I'm the one that I'm revisiting right now for my life, the, my all-time favorite is the Alchemist. Mm, Pellicuel, right? Mm. Absolutely. Uh, to me, there has never been a story that is so riveting mm. that the parallels to the, the, our lives as we live it is just so, so powerful. You know, the pursuit of our personal legend and, and the things that will come that will try to deter us from achieving our goals. And it's so powerful. I'm reading, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it again right now. And, and every time I listen to that book, I'm at a different stage in my life. So a different part of the story is screaming at me, you know, and, and yeah. So, so for me, that would be a book I say visit multiple times throughout life. Mm. I love the message in there. It is written. Is it a makta or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And, and, and right now for me is that the message that really sticks out to me is, you know, when the boy and, and when the Englishman in the desert are, are trying to pursue they're trying to find a way to turn metals into gold. Mm. There are people who all they're doing is trying to turn metal into gold. They forget about the journey of going on the road to discovering that. So like for me, for me, it was the, the podcast, you know, you, you hear Joe Rogan having sold his podcast for a hundred million dollars. And it's so yeah. easy as an entrepreneur yeah. to go, Oh my God, I need to start a podcast. I need to have make a hundred million dollars. So to me, I immediately went, Okay, Vin, you need to you need to shut up. That that part of my entrepreneurial brain needs to shut up. Mm. I want to create this podcast because I want to have two hours a week where I spend time building deeper connections with my existing friends, talking about books that have profoundly changed our life, and really digging into these concepts so that it helps the listeners grow their mind. And hopefully, after they hear our podcast, they'll go away and they'll buy that book. And if they buy that book, the chances of them changing their lives and the chances of me and my friends having impact on the world is greatly enhanced. So on the journey to finding the alchemist and finding the technique of how to turn metal into gold, on the journey, that's what's enjoyable, not just the destination. So I said to myself, I'm not even going to allow myself to try to turn metal into gold until two and a half years in, because I want to purposely enjoy the crap out of this journey moving forward. I think you'll be, you'll make a great podcaster. Yeah, just do it now. And uh, you're going to be <laughs> inspiring so many people around the world. So. Thank you, brother. Thank you. And this if I don't, I'll, I'll come looking for you and, and, and I'll blame you. Why <laughs> have I not succeeded? <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Vin. I really appreciate your time today. And, My pleasure, uh, brother. Yeah, you've uh, you shared some amazing wisdom for us today. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best for your future endeavors. And I know that you Thank can you so much. by more people around the world. So congratulations. 